With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's another Carolina podcast, Emergency Edition. Congratulations, Joey Hunter, the newest commitment for the 2020 class of South Carolina. He's a three-star defensive back out of the state of Georgia. Just announced his commitment to South Carolina. It was sort of down to Carolina and Texas A&M. And we decided we needed to do an emergency podcast. We we work so quickly just for you guys. That's how much we care about you. You might even be suspicious about how quickly we're getting this thing up relative to when Joey Hunter Jr. the third announced his commitment. But here we are. Thanks for making us a part of your day, wherever you are, however you're listening. We really appreciate it. And if you guys want to continue to support the podcast, please do so by rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing with your friends. I'm your host, Pearson Fowler. With me, as always, Wes Mitchell and Chris Clark to break down the Joey Hunter commitment, to talk a little bit about Luke Doty, who's participating in the Elite 11 camp right now, and then the opening involving several South Carolina either commits or targets the guys, like I mentioned right off the top, we'll get started with the emergency announcement of the day, and that is the commitment of Joey Hunter, as I mentioned, three-star defensive back, adding one more to Carolina's class. Looks like they probably have room for about one or two more defensive backs, but getting close to wrapping this thing up for the defensive backfield. Uh, but first and foremost, take me through the process of his recruitment. Yeah, Joey was um, a guy that South Carolina offered in camp this summer, um, sort of hit the radar a little later. This is a this is a weaker class overall, just in terms of regionally in South Carolina's sort of general geographic recruiting footprint for defensive backs, and so a little tougher to find ones this year that you really like. And um, they had him in camp, really liked him. Um, he looked good, just physically. I mean, he's a six foot one, hundred eighty eight pound kid. Um, he tested well. He ran, you know, higher four fives in the forty, which is is pretty good for his size. Uh, he vertical jumped well, he broad jumped well, and he did a really nice job in one-on-ones. He's a great kid, too, from, from a really good family. And so uh, they offered quickly, and things sort of progressed from there. Texas A&M was involved. He had Mississippi State, uh, some other schools involved. He went and camped out at Texas A&M. But as things just progressed, um, South Carolina was the one that, that eventually uh, was able to win out for him. He gave a, definitely gave a hard look to Texas A&M as well, um, and, and there was certainly some back-and-forth element to that behind the scenes but uh he he took an official visit to carolina at the end of june that went very well um you know really liked the staff's plan for him jamie robinson freshman defensive back hosted him and and sort of gave him a good feel for what life would be like as a as a defensive back at carolina and uh joey really liked will muschamp Travaris robinson and he's a guy they think can play corner or nickel in the scheme when you say that he was offered in camp you mean just like a month ago or camp this time last year yeah, th- this so summer. this is this is a process that went very very quickly for Hunter and for Carolina. Yeah, definitely it, it went quickly. Um, and he was a guy. I mean, look, Carolina knew about him. He played at Sandy Creek High, which is a, a you know a high school that typically produces talent almost every year. Um, they produce a lot of SEC talent over the year. Alan Knott. Alan Knott came from Sandy Creek. Um, they have a, a defensive back Brian Branch who's committed to Georgia, who plays alongside Joey. So Ed Carolina has been involved with Brian Branch. They were earlier in the process. So. Certainly this is a guy – it's not a guy South Carolina said, oh, Joey Hunter, never heard of him. 
But, you know, they had him in camp. Um, not sure if they were expecting that they would offer him at that point, but he, he came to campus and, uh, you know, tested well, which is certainly something they look at. You know, Wes and I were out there watching him. Certainly he looks impressive physically. I mean, he's every bit of 6'1", almost looks taller than that, really put together well and still developing his game, really. Um, I was talking to someone who knows him well in Georgia yesterday, and I think he said four or five years ago the kid was 5'8". Um, and so he was a you know a smaller kid. He's gotten a lot bigger. He's really filled out, and he's still somewhat raw, you know, as a defensive back, but he's got a lot of tools to work with. He's very physical. He's a great kid. He's got a great mentality. And so he sort of checks off a lot of the boxes that you look for. So you're sort of hinting at it already, but I want to get your take. Obviously, you said he's a little bit raw as a defensive back, but clearly athletic. He has the size and length that Will Muschamp likes from defensive backs. What kind of player is Carolina getting with Hunter? Well, he's got, I think he's got enough versatility to where he could play safety if they wanted him to, but right now they're eyeing him as a corner nickel. Um, you watch him on film, and obviously with his size, you would expect that he's a guy that's going to be physical and he is so you're not disappointed when you turn on the film and watch him tackle you know that's that's something that Will Muschamp's always talked about especially his first couple years in Columbia in terms of South Carolina just needing to tackle better on the perimeter having guys that are willing to do it and Joey's certainly that he's aggressive he's got good ball skills Uh, he had a really good year last year in terms of not giving up catches Um, he had some good numbers there and so he's got that length and he doesn't run. He's not an elite runner in terms of his speed, but for his size, you know, he does run well enough. And and I think with, you know, some with with some refinement on his technique and just continuing to progress, he's got a chance to be a really good player. And he's certainly got the work ethic to where I think he'll put in the work. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, like Chris said, with the the DBs maybe being down a bit regionally, um, you're going to see South Carolina sort of take some guys that maybe check all their boxes. Um, but maybe are a little bit raw. I think you just look at the class so far with Adonal Fortune, uh, Dominic Hill, you're talking about like high upside guys that, um, you know, maybe you're going to not quite be ready right off the bat like a J.C. Horn was, you know, like an Izzy McQuamu was to a little bit, uh, you know, lesser standard. But I, I think if, if you look at these guys, they all sort of just match what South Carolina is looking for at that position. Um, you know, I, I personally, I, I think you could see Joey end up playing safety long term um even though they've got him as like a you know a corner nickel and, and you know they cross Is that just because he's a little rangier uh yeah I, just, I look at his frame and i think he's a bigger guy and then i look at who he's coming coming in with in this class i i think maybe um maybe you like dom hill or donald fortune's ability um in one-on-one man situations a, a, maybe a little bit better uh but but we'll see as far as how all three of those guys develop um, you know, because a, a lot of times if you look at a defensive backfield, it's not just about the skill set of the players. It's about who's around them and what gets the best five on the field. So, you know, I think the fact that he's got the size to play safety um, is helpful for him in the long term. Uh, you know, that nickel position is kind of a hybrid spot these days. So, um, you know, he fits in there as well. And I, I think if you look at all these defensive backs, it's, it's sort of you're always looking for a standard as far as size. Um, speed, um, athleticism, we were talking about, um, you know, lateral movement, stuff like that. I, I think um, these guys fit what they're looking for. So this is maybe a weird question because I think obviously the more highly touted recruits and the guys that you want are the guys that are ready to come in and play right away. But specifically because this is Will Muschamp and because you have T-Rob, 
is there some is there some extent to where this coaching staff would almost prefer someone that has the frame that they're looking for, the length and athleticism, but is maybe a little bit more raw so that Will Muschamp and Travis Robinson can sort of turn the defensive back into sort of mold them exactly the way they want as opposed to someone coming in with sort of preconceived notions about ways to play the position that may not necessarily mesh with what Will and T-Rob want. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think um, the main thing is, you know, do they check the boxes of, of what they're looking for? Um, you know, some guys are already a little bit more developed. Um, obviously, if you can bring in a, a J.C. Horn type guy that already is sort of in a position where he, uh, you know, has has been, I guess, taught up, I guess, is a way to say it. Um, even if you have to change a few things or change a few things with their technique, I think it comes down to is the guy coachable, you know, um, whether he's raw, whether he's not raw, or whether he already knows, you know, what you're doing as far as a scheme standpoint and a footwork standpoint or, or doesn't. I think it's about um, is a guy able to easily adjust to what you're telling him. And I, I think that's something they actually uh, probably an underrated part of, of the stuff that they look at in camp is, you know, they're on these kids hard. And they coach them. Um, you know, I think people would probably be surprised. They coach them just like they would their current players. And uh, that that's partially to to see how they respond. And, um, you know, and I mean partially from like a physical standpoint as far as can they take the coaching and then apply it. And that's partially from a mental standpoint of how, how do they react to being coached like that. Because not every guy um, appreciates or responds to that style of coaching. And I, I think one thing Muschamp has said is, you know, he, he tells all his assistants, Coach them the way you're going to coach them when they get here. That way um, you can weed out the guys that aren't going to respond to the way they do things here. So I, I think that's a that's an interesting element of it that probably gets lost in the whole, you know, 40-yard dash size, uh, you know, all, all that stuff. One more question about Hunter's recruitment specifically. This one came down to Carolina and, Te- and Texas A&M. How much do you guys know about the pitch and sort of counter pitch from Carolina and from the Aggies, and what was ultimately the decision maker for Hunter? Were they pitching playing time? Is there something about the new facilities? Because I think Texas A&M has good facilities because they have all the money in the world. I'm curious how those sorts of specific kind of one against one recruiting battles go. Well, with Joey, I mean, you got to consider one thing. I think the only school that he took an official visit to is South Carolina, and so. Um, you know, he he went to Texas A&M and camped, and when you do that, generally you get a, a sort of a more cursory look at the school, just like Joey did when he was at South Carolina for camp. He went to South Carolina, then right after that he went to A&M, and he really, really liked A&M. I mean, um, really liked what he saw out there, and um, certainly they have a lot of different things to offer too. But uh, on the official visit, obviously, that's a much more um, comprehensive look at the school. And so I think – he felt good about the playing time in Columbia. He felt good about the timing of the decision in terms of just he was ready to make a decision on July 2nd, which is his mother's birthday. Um, he wanted to make the decision. Uh, both sides were ready, and so uh, that's what he went with. So I think it was about, you know, just talking to Joey, it was about playing time. Um, it was about, you know, uh, Will Muschamp and Travis Robinson, their track record for defensive backs, and just the feel of the program. You know, everybody uh, – you know, he felt like everybody on the team gelled together. It was sort of like a family. Everybody sort of hangs out together. So those are the things I think about South Carolina that appealed to him. 
Uh, someone that's already committed to South Carolina and has been sort of in a showcase for the last couple of days is Myrtle Beach quarterback Luke Doty, who's been at the Elite 11 camp. One of the Elite 11 finalists, which, Wes, as you pointed out on my local show yesterday, means he's one of the 20 guys asked to come to the camp at the mm-hmm. end of camp is when they announced the final 11. But Luke has performed pretty well over the first couple days of camp. What have you guys read and seen? Yeah, you know, all the reports were very, very positive. Um, you know, the Elite 11 puts out an official um, ranking after, um, you know, each day. And I think after Sunday, he was fourth. And then uh, on on Monday, they had him as seventh, uh, you know, among the guys that were there, which obviously still puts you firmly, you know, among those top 11. So we'll see. And I, I think the fact that he's performing, you know, at that level – at an event that really doesn't showcase his talents specifically, I think, because anytime you're a dual threat guy and you're going up, it's, you know, a seven on seven type situation or a throw only situation, which is what the elite 11 is, then, um, you know, it, it takes away an element that is very, very big in his game, which is his wills. And this fact, you know, the fact that he can make things happen with his feet, the fact that he's going to face different defenses because they have to account for his feet. So um, the fact he's able to do that, against, you know, literally the best in the country, um, I, I think is pretty cool and I think speaks to his progress. You're talking about a guy that just has steadily gotten better since we first started talking about him um, back when he was like a an eighth-grade camper camping at South Carolina. How much would a strong showing, or I guess will a strong showing, at the Elite 11 camp, including probably likely at this point being named to one of those final 11, do for his recruiting rankings? Or... Are these separate, I guess, uh, assessments of his ability? Uh, what do you think, Chris? I mean, I, I think it's it's always helpful. Um, you know, he he's at the point now as the number three dual threat where um, there's a lot. You're splitting hairs to an extent. You know, is he, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, like <laughs> you know, when you're is that he third? You know, is he third? Is he second? Is he fourth? Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it's, it's going to be close. So, um, I, I think if a guy goes up there and just tears it up, though, and maybe the guy ahead of him doesn't. Um, you know, certainly I think you can move up from a, a big performance. Yeah, and I mean, that that's other – it's a little bit sometimes of a misconception. Like, sometimes guys go out to camps and they perform very well, and that doesn't always equate to, like, the guy jumping up 100 spots. You know, I mean, like, Luke's ranking is already pretty doggone good. And so, in some ways, that can just sort of validate, you know, where he's at. Um you know, a, a really good, and I'm not even saying this about Luke, just sort of a general point, a, a really good high school football player and prospect doesn't automatically equate to, well, he's really good, he needs to be a high four-star or a five-star. I mean, you know, well, like we heard that about Farrah Cooper a lot in high school. Like, he started out as a two-star, then he was a three, then he was a four. After the Shrine Bowl, he ended up as a four. And obviously, he was a really good football player at South Carolina. He was very good. He was an NFL draft pick still in the league, and so some people go back now and say, well, Farrah should have been a five-star. No, he shouldn't have. You know, he he was just – he was really good. He probably should have been higher than he was even as a four-star. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, like Wes said, it just – it sort of depends on what the other guys around him are doing too, but he's already pretty highly ranked. It's not like he's like, you know, a three-star who has just sort of surprised and worked his way up there and is due for some huge bump. Don't you know, you know everybody is underrated? Everybody. Everybody. All of them. For every school. You're underrated. For every single school. Well, let me ask you guys this then specifically. How much stock do you put in to camp? 
because we saw last night they were doing a little bit of seven on seven. Before that, it was you know basically just passing drills. I don't know how much of it was pass scale versus I mean really just like specific non-human interaction passing like throwing into nets. How much stock do you put into this, and how much do you say? Well, you know, it doesn't really matter until they get in an eleven v eleven situation. It matters. I mean, the the way I see it is like, for some reason, there's some hatred towards camps. Like, if a kid does well at camp, then people look at it and say, "Oh, he should be higher ranked." Like we were just talking about. But then, you know, if a kid drops because of camp or something, or or doesn't move up to a certain level, it's well, camps. You know, blah, blah, blah. but I mean, college coaches use them as an evaluation tool. So obviously they think there's some value. So I feel like if we're trying if we're trying to evaluate talent, we should put some stock in them too. It's not everything, but I w- I'll tell you this, I would rather see a kid in camp than not. You know, like if I'm just watching his highlight tape or even going to one of his high school games, those things are valuable, but I want to see him in camp too. Certain positions more than others, but um and I've seen I mean, we've seen a bunch of quarterbacks who look great in camp, and they can't play dead in a Western in college because, like, they just don't have it mentally or for for whatever reason, they just don't put it together. And then some guys who maybe aren't as impressive in camp at quarterback who are really, really good. I mean, Connor Shaw wasn't phenomenal Mm. in a high school camp setting, but he was really good here, you know, because it's like Wes said with Luke Doty, like different skill sets for different guys. There there also been some other – quarterbacks that we've seen in camp who you look at that guy and say he's going to be a stud and then he is you know so just further confirmation that recruiting is inscrutable yes also you do this all the time i think you do this on purpose where you use some awesome hilarious phrase and then you continue with a long-winded thought so that it's awkward when i have to go back and mention how great (laughs) that phrase was you're so bashful chris just embrace it you couldn't that's, play couldn't play dead in a western that's amazing that deserves like that's a that's a must champism though right is, is it really yeah i've never heard that that's huh. hilarious i, I want to put like a plaza underneath that and play dead in a movie can you do that huh can you do that yeah i mean i could uh, um, I, don't know if I, will. I didn't I'm say the lazy. cover a bucket of water thing no like must champ he, <laughs> he says um, that one a lot <laughs> but no I, I think um i think that the camp is like it's like one of multiple like if you really want to and i think the the goal, if you're a coaching staff, is that everything sort of every opportunity to scout a guy supplements the other ones. So, you want to see a guy in person because that that can tell you some things that the other areas can't. You see a guy in person, and you're not just watching the best takes. You're not just seeing the highlights. You're seeing how does this guy perform snap to snap to snap. How does this guy perform when his team is getting their teeth kicked in? Like how does he respond? to negativity possibly um then you look at highlights you look at film and obviously you're seeing maybe some of the upside there what what does this guy look like at his absolute best then camp i think is more about a does he fit the what do they call them critical factors when they're measuring a guy they they have they have a height a weight they have a speed um you know, even, you know, probably a vertical jump, a broad jump. They have certain um, parameters they're wanting for every guy at a particular position to to hit in this window. So now you're saying, does he athletically match up with what we're looking for? Because a guy can look really good on film versus guys who, that, that are also running 4-9, and you may say, man, this guy's a really good football player. We like him on film. Then you get him in camp, and he runs a 4-9-5, 
and you're like, okay, he's not going to be able to separate against SEC defensive backs. Um, you know, so I, I think you, if you really – to get the best evaluation, and the funny thing is you can have all those things and still completely whiff on a guy. You know, you may think – you may be as sure as you could be about it, and then maybe the guy gets there and he doesn't work hard or something, you know, or he yeah, just you, d- doesn't develop. You remember th- – there there are a few instances of this, but uh, whether it's like a rivals camp we cover, South Carolina's camp, but you remember a few years ago there was a South Carolina camp that we were at in the summer – I think maybe 2017 class, and there was a prospect there that was like a four-star that we were watching, curious to see him, curious to see what South Carolina thought about him, and he was not good. Mm. And and he 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 would barely take any reps. When he took reps, he looked disengaged. He, uh, you know, he was smaller than we anticipated. Um, his film was good, and he had a bunch of offers, but we saw him and we went, that wasn't good, and South Carolina dropped him. Yeah, they started that day. Him. Yeah, I mean, like on the spot, basically, and had another kid in camp who was not nearly as highly rated. Loved him, ended up getting a commitment from him. So, I mean, those things happen. There was a kid at Rivals Camp several years back that um, ended up going Power Five that had a bunch of offers, including South Carolina. Had really good film. He was a lineman, and had. I mean, one of the worst performances I've seen at a rivals camp. He had the size and everything, but he was not very good. Um, he still ended up signing Power Five, but those are the types of things that, you know, I think you got to take them into consideration a little bit. Well, down in Frisco, Texas, right now, which is where the Elite Eleven camp has been held for the last couple of days, you're sort of getting the best of both worlds because you're getting the camp atmosphere, and now with the guys from the Elite Eleven group joining uh, the rest of the opening camp is that the right thing to call it mm-hmm. you're getting a little bit of the you know sort of competitive part that's normally reserved for games because now the quarterbacks are playing with and against some of the best guys at their respective positions wide receivers running backs defensive backs so you're getting a little bit of that competitive element but still doing it in a camp setting where i guess you get a little bit more opportunity to evaluate some of those more specific skills some of those specific measurables and carolina's got is it five or six other commits and targets that are joining luke Doty down there for the op- for the remainder of the opening camp well you got uh we'll list them you got luke of course you got tank bigsby you got isaiah walker who's committed you got marshawn lloyd who is committed you got jaheem bell who they're targeting that is committed to Florida, and then you got Reggie Grimes, I believe. Okay. Is so the six on top totality of that. Lenneth Whitehead out there too, right? Yeah, I think he, he is. is, and, th- and they've so been seven. recruiting him some. Okay. You know, yeah. but, uh, for those of you that didn't see last night, there were a couple clips uh, circulating from the seven on seven that they did once the two, once the quarterbacks, and then all the skill, other skill position guys joined forces, uh, including Marshawn Lloyd juking somebody in what looks sort of like a. And not exactly an Oklahoma drill, but something similar. Or maybe it was an Oklahoma drill. I don't know. The, the defensive player didn't do a good enough job that I could tell what he was supposed to be doing, which is credit to, to Lloyd putting him on skates and then doing a backflip as a celebration, uh, which just speaks to his athleticism for a guy that's also very big. That was that was probably exciting to see if you're a Carolina fan. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually watching it now. I think that these guys like to cut backflips, I've noticed, in camp settings. Yeah, um, I'm always like, don't do that. Yeah, but you they know. do them. Actually, it's like not even a thing for them. You know, like it's the, like I. It's just I, like jumping up and chest bumping. Yeah, like most people would think. Oh, you know, I'm not even going to attempt to do a backflip, and they do it just like you know they get off the couch or something. Like it's simple, but yeah, that that kid. Uh, you look at some of his numbers out there, and um, 
very impressive. And I think confirmed some of the things we already knew. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I think, I think the kid obviously covering South Carolina, um, might be a little bit biased, but I think the kid's a five-star type back. Yeah. I mean, he, he's really good. And I know that. So with Marshawn, there's like, there's some track times and I, and I don't know, I have not, I've got to try to dive into it a little bit more to get some context. There's some track times I'm not concerned about, but there's some track times out there that are not the greatest, but the past couple times he's been put on a laser and run, um, he's running really well. And then you watch his film and you look at his quickness in those little short areas, side to side. Everybody thinks that Marshawn is just a straight-ahead running back because of his size, but, man, you see him. He's got great feet. Oh, he's got great footwork, and he's pretty good in space. He's better than you would anticipate. So um, I, I like his explosiveness for sure. Well, yeah. and for we, those of you that haven't seen the clip, y'all should go check it out because it, it is impressive. And, again, just, just showcases a little bit of that that short – uh, I guess that short distance change of direction. And uh, we'll go, I mean we'll give him a shout out uh, at Gamecock Splash. James um, is where I was watching it. Um, oh sweet! I don't know where he pulled it from, but that's the Twitter account that it's on. Um, but uh, and see, dude, with those track times, I mean, who knows what the, you know, who knows where that took place? Who knows what the weather was on that day? Who and that's knows? just a dude with the stopwatch, right? Um. Or is that a, I, is that I, an official laser? We time? don't know. We don't, we don't know. know how they okay. time. Well, yeah, yeah I would trust the laser more than a random track time. We don't know who was timing or where or when, like you're pointing out. Yeah, yeah, and who knows if he was 100 percent that day? Who knows how he felt that day? I mean, there, there's a million different. I, I think there's way more. If you're sort of stacking evidence, there's way more evidence that this guy's plenty fast enough than there is that he's not. I think, um, and you just you just watch the guy play and. Um, whether it's film against uh, high school guys who obviously aren't as talented as him or, you know, camp settings against guys who are on the same sort of plane as far as athleticism, um, the guy stands out. And uh, and, and not, not that he's, you know, lowly ranked right now. He's still – Rival still has him as like <laughs> – He's a top 50, 32nd? top 40 player. Yeah. He's top 32nd or 34. Player. Yeah. Or top 34 that's, player. That's elite. Yeah, that's know? pretty good. That's very decent, we will call him. Yes. Um, all right, so give me a quick update. I don't know if there was anything from the 7 on 7th last night, but this is going to be going on until tomorrow, I guess, tomorrow, mm-hmm. July, July 3rd. 3rd. Yeah. Um, so any news from the other six guys beside, or I guess, yeah, the other five guys besides uh, Lloyd and Doty from last night and sort of what do you think people should be watching for today and tomorrow? Well, I think the interesting thing to keep an eye on is um, with Marshawn Lloyd, and Tank Bigsby, who's obviously out there too, major target for South Carolina, is, um, you know, what feedback are we going to get after this thing is over from how they interacted with each other? What were the conversations like? Obviously, the fact that you have Luke Doty as the quarterback of one of these seven-on-seven teams, and um, both those guys are on his team, which I don't know if that was just very fortunate for South Carolina or if there's sort of, uh, you know, if quarterbacks got to sort of pick hey if possible I'd like to be with these guys I don't know how that worked but um you got those two guys on your team you've got uh you got Jaheim Bell on your team who like we've said is a Florida commit but South Carolina very very strongly in the mix there um you know how do all these guys interact with each other what's the feedback we get there and do Tank Bigsby and Marshawn Lloyd hit it off and you know become tight or does it go the other direction because I I think this is I actually think this is the first time they've ever met in person, but it's 
definitely the first time they've spent an extended amount of time together. So how does that play out? I think you could maybe see that uh, affect things moving forward as far as, um, you know, Tank Bigsby's approach to the recruiting process because all we know right now is that, A, South Carolina was really, really strong at one point, and then, B, um, it seemed a little bit more open ever since Marshawn Lloyd committed to South Carolina, and uh, and C, that Auburn and Georgia are still in this conversation as well. So you're almost more interested in sort of the interpersonal relationships with these guys than necessarily the football, which is probably fair because I think that's probably a part of recruiting that people don't talk about because it's hard to really know what kind of relationships these guys have unless they're like, hey, this guy and I are friends. Yeah, and I think, you know, I don't I don't think you worry. Any of those guys we're talking about, you don't really worry about them as players. Like, they're all they're all really good players. I mean, the reports are we haven't even talked about Reggie Grimes, which is, you know, the, the guy's a borderline five-star himself, uh, you know, defensive end slash uh, outside linebacker slash tight end, um, you know, ran like a 4-5-1, I think, on the laser out there. Um you know, you don't worry about any of these guys athletically. Um, yeah, it would be interesting to see how they compete with, you know, the best of the best. But all these guys are good players. All these guys can help South Carolina. I think it's more about, you know, which of these guys are going to end up at South Carolina. And, and certainly that, you know, that running back sort of uh, idea of, of a duo, which we see is so popular. I think the two guys in that situation have to get along or – or it doesn't work, you know. So I, I think that, and some, you know, we we all know this. Take it out of football. Take it, you know, just into life. Some people just click, and some people just don't click. So that that's like a, that's a part of this that nobody can really anticipate, and nobody can really. There's nothing a coaching staff can do, you know, for that. It's just about literally how you know how do they interact with each other. So what's the most uh, guys Carolina has ever had at the opening? Is this is this about as many guys in terms of total commits and top prospects that they've had? I don't know. I mean, you know, you're looking at what there's I mean, there's only three actual commitments out there. We'd have to go back and research all that out from the past years, but it seems like I just don't really remember talking about this yeah, I mean, previously, it, so I, I imagine we are now. When you're combining it's a high the commitments and the high profile targets together, probably so. Yeah. Especially just in terms of like the buzz created by all those guys, I, I would I would say probably so. But we have not we did not come armed with the rosters from the 2014 session of the opening and why did we nature. not? I don't know. Well, because y'all just aren't I told prepared. you to do that. Before it's came it's because it's, it's early in the morning. <laughs> Wes came in with his just no, glass we're of recording orange this juice in the afternoon, right after. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> sorry. Wes came in with his afternoon orange juice because he's a terrorist and he drinks orange juice in the afternoon. Um, and bacon, egg, and cheese yeah, in the afternoon. Yeah. yeah, well, bacon, egg, and cheese in the afternoon. You know, maybe McDonald's has breakfast all day. Maybe for stop by Mickey D's or something. McDonald's, um, you owe us $50 now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what we're going to do. We're just going to start billing them. Um, it's the dead period officially, but you guys said it is far from that. So what are y'all working on? What which people expect coming down the pipe from y'all? Well, um, Right now, they can read complete Joey Hunter commitment coverage on uh, on Gamecock Central. If you wish, um, not now, but now when you're listening to this. Yeah, right this second. Um, but uh, you know, the thing about the dead period is that the guys can't visit schools and schools can't visit them, but they can still talk on the phone. They can still DM. They can still text. So it's really not. It's a dead period, but it's not a dead period. I think people naturally. And the people that really follow recruiting closely know this, but the people that sort of 
follow it from afar probably think, oh, that means nothing's happening in recruiting. But really, a lot is happening. You've got a commitment today. Um, you know, July 8th, um, there's a Miles Murphy commitment where he'll be choosing, yeah, um, you know, potentially South Carolina, North Carolina in there, Alabama in there, um, took an official to Florida uh, as well. So so that's Monday. So we'll at least have another emergency pod to update you all on that result on Monday as well as some other kind of off-season things that we'll have going. But um, – Dead period picks up again right at the or the ends at the end of the month and then it's begins like again at the 20, beginning of August. It's like July twenty fourth. There's like a week there from July twenty fourth to July thirty first that's so open weird. again. Um, Does Carolina have any official visits scheduled for that window? Not that we know of at this time. Um but there there's a you know, I think there's a real chance that you're gonna have a number of unofficials potentially there. Um the punt, the punter, I think, is already locked in for the thirtieth. Yep, the thirtieth. Kai uh, Kroger. Yeah, Kai Kroger. Um, some other guys, I, I think, that I would expect to be on campus during that little window. And you know, Carolina, they're they're efficient when it comes to recruiting. If there's an opportunity to bring guys in, and you're you're really, if you talk, look at it from a calendar standpoint, that's the week before you start preseason camp. So, you know, once preseason camp starts, now you're always focused on recruiting. Once preseason camp starts, you know you got to have a lot of your energy on your current football team. So that little that week right there is sort of a, you know, hey, let's get these guys in maybe one more time before the focus turns to football. And you know the high school kids, they're after that they're gonna be focused on their own seasons as well. Yeah, that is like that is a curious window. You think if they wanted to have another week, they should just do the first week of July and then have it be dead period until whenever the dead period ends in August rather than close close up shop for a couple of weeks sort of arbitrarily and then come back with another week and then close up shop again. So yeah, I, but you I, got July 4th this week too. So yeah, I think, true. you know, holiday, give people some time off yeah. and then give them one more chance to, to visit or do what they need to do before the season starts. So we got a holiday, then SEC media days, and then the one live week in July and August, and then guys report to camp. It's football season's basically here guys. It is. Y'all yeah. ready? Yeah. Got to be. Might as well. Chris is. Wes isn't. Got to be. Wes is ready, though, because he's got his, what does he have on? My podca- podcasting shirt. Podcasting shirt. I'm going to get a podcasting shirt, too. That's. I we need like to have an actual podcasting shirt. I think mine's just going to say podcasting shirt. Podcasting That's shirt. Yeah, they, whatever they are, they, they can't match. We can't all have the same one. No, no. You know? No. Is that what you were saying, Wes? Yeah, I was going to say we could get ones that match. I mean, no, I think uh, surely there is someone who would like to sponsor and make us a T-shirt that's listening to this. I'll Did you it. say podcasting shirt? No, it doesn't have to say that. If they That'd give us free shirts brought to, to wear. by Panera. Yeah. Or whomever. Yeah, anyone. Or whomever. Um, yeah, no. I guess I'd wear that. I no, mean, no one not sees vulgar. us while we're doing this because we stopped simulcasting it for some reason. Which I don't know. Maybe we'll start doing that again. Well, we couldn't sure. simulcast this one. so Why not? Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I keep forgetting that part. Um, all right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of another Carolina podcast. We got plenty more stuff uh, coming for you guys in the coming weeks. And uh, we're going to get Wes to start posting some mailbag threads to help us fill out the time and just to get your thoughts, see what's on your mind, see what we want to do more of. Uh, if you, also, if you want to support the podcast, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. And if you want a month of Gamecock Central subscriber access for free, just use the exclusive podcast code GCPOD, G-C-P-O-D, and you'll get a month of being a Gamecock Central insider for free, which is very exciting. Good time to be doing that as well. That'll do it for Wes and Chris. I'm Pearson Don. We'll talk to you next week.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.